Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Anyway, if you have a Bible uh, uh, or Bible app, whatever you prefer to use, open up to Acts chapter 1. We're going to read a little bit from Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, just like a few verses in each of those chapters in just a moment. Um, I'm really, really uh, glad that you have been with us for these last seven weeks. We've been going through this series since Easter all the way up to Pentecost uh, in this series called Activate, and we've been talking about what it means to be activated, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered for life in the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? So if you remember on week one, we talked about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, how Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, just like the Father is God. And Jesus, in his whole ministry on earth, everything you read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? He did his whole ministry not out of his divinity, out of the power of his divinity. He did it out of his Holy Spirit-empowered humanity because he's both fully God and fully human. And the reason that's important is because Jesus is showing us how to be human, how we can live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the things we read about Jesus doing. So that's what was, that was week one. Second week, we talked about the sanctified life in the Spirit, how the Spirit dwells in every single believer, everyone who's following Jesus, and, and, and because the Holy Spirit's in your life, you're sanctified. That just means you're set apart. You're made like Jesus. You're becoming like Jesus. We talked about women in the Holy Spirit on Mother's Day and how uh, the Holy Spirit is the great equalizer, that whether you're a man or a woman, no matter what your background, young or old, when the Holy Spirit is on your life, you have a unique calling, and the church and your brothers and sisters in the body get to make space for you to walk in the unique calling that the Holy Spirit has called you to. We talked about life in the Spirit, what it means to live free from sin and their old way of life that leads to death, and how do we live empowered to walk with the Spirit day by day. And we talked about the gifts of the Spirit and how every single one of us that's following Jesus has been given gifts by the Holy Spirit, supernatural gifts to do things like teach and lead and be hospitable and help those in need and to prophesy and and to heal and, and to do all sorts of crazy things and that these gifts have been given so that we can help each other, help the church, help the body grow and to encourage each other and build each other up. And then finally, the Holy Spirit uh, is the one who has brought unity into the church. And we talked about how if we want all of this stuff happening, the flow of the Spirit empowering our lives, then we need to eagerly keep the unity of the Spirit in the way we conduct ourselves in our relationships. And so we've done this. That's six weeks. Take a deep breath. That's a lot of ground to cover, right? And that's like just seven quick weeks. People have spent their entire lives studying like one little aspect of one of these things. So there's so much more. There's so much more, obviously, we could say about life in the Holy Spirit. 
But really today is the culmination of all of it. If we're going to live life in the Spirit like Jesus did, if we're going to be sanctified in life in the Spirit, if we're going to recognize and make space for people, no matter who they are, to walk in the Spirit, if we're going to live in the freedom of the Spirit, if we're going to operate in our gifts of the Spirit, if we're going to have unity of the Spirit, then we need to learn how to be filled with the Spirit. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the filling of the Spirit and talk to you about the first time this happens in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, we're going to read together from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Are you ready to read this with me? It says this, Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, this is Jesus talking, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set these dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then in Acts 2, 1-4, we read this. On the day of Pentecost, which is today, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we're here today to learn about your filling. But ultimately, Spirit, we do not want more head knowledge today. We've had a lot of information. What we want today, Lord, is encounters. We want to meet with you fresh. We want to be filled with you fresh. We want to know that you are good. We want to be confident and positive that we don't just know in our head, but we know in our experience that you are good. And so, Holy Spirit, Would you come, open our eyes, open our ears, and open our hearts? Hmm. Just take just a moment to receive from him before we go on. Keep your eyes closed, just receive. Amen. Amen. So in the summer of 2018, a woman by the name of Linda Daniels uh, was in her home. She was on hospice care. And Linda Daniels was on an oxygen tank. She needed that to live. And then her power was turned off by the utility company. Even though, you know, they said she didn't pay bills and there's 
rules about you can't turn people's oxygen off if they, if they need oxygen or other life-saving devices. And for hours, her family called the utility company, begging and pleading customer service to put her power back on. They couldn't move her out of the home. She was going to die. Begging and pleading over and over again. They would call and call and call, saying, you have to put the power back on. There's been a mistake. Until finally, customer service told them, do not call again. Do not call again. And they were desperate, so they called 911 and tried to get paramedics there to bring some battery backup oxygen tanks. But by then, it was too late, and it wasn't enough. And Linda slowly began to die, gasping for air until eventually she succumbed to death from congestive heart failure due to lack of oxygen. And there are so many outrageous and horrible things and different directions we could take this story and wrongs we could talk about and questions we could ask. But I'm, I'm personally really stuck on this one thing for us today. All Linda needed was for her power to be turned on again and she would live. That's it. All she needed was power and she would live. Now, we nod our heads. This is a pretty obvious problem, Andrew. We could solve this very simply. But yet, for many Christians, we have actually been living our lives with a similar problem. We have been living without our power turned on. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be the one who gives us power to live out the calling of Jesus, but it's been sorely lacking from our churches and our experience of following Jesus. And we don't even realize that our power being off is slowly killing us. We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to live life to the full, but we've tried to follow Jesus with the power turned off for so long. Maybe you know what I'm talking about from your own life and your own experience. A study was just done in 2021 And it said of self-identifying Christians, 58% of them do not believe that the Holy Spirit is even real. 58%. So the study was done by a Christian institution. So they're like, all right, let's just drill down. Let's not just go with, are you a Christian? And someone says yes or no. Let's like drill down. Maybe they've had like a confession of faith. Maybe they would say they're born again. 62% of born again Christians do not believe the Holy Spirit is real. Okay, let's, let's drill down a little more and, and, and see. Let's add another category here. Even those that they would call well-integrated disciples, those who have a biblical worldview, those who are regularly in church, regularly studying the scriptures, they're in life groups, they pray. Even them, 40% of well-integrated disciples do not believe the Holy Spirit is real. Let alone wants to give you a life of power. Even among the most well-integrated disciples, there seems to be a problem. And I I don't know about your church experience. If you've been in church, maybe this church is still new for you. But in my church experience, I know this is the case that we tend to live a powerless Christianity. I grew up in the church. My father's a, a pastor. And different churches, it'd be different angles of the same problem. It didn't matter if it was a Pentecostal church. People would fake it and like shake around like God was showing up. And there was nothing. It was all hype. There were, nothing was really happening. And other places where it was like more somber 
and they just outright denied that any of that was possible, and, and everything in between different kinds of churches that we would be in. And, and I knew how pervasive this problem was because I had no idea that God could fill my life with power to follow Jesus until about 10 or 15 years ago when the power got turned on in my life. And I was like, what on earth have I been doing for the first 20, 25 years of my life? What have I been doing? I didn't know it was possible to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't know it was possible to be given power from the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that I was slowly dying as I was trying to follow Jesus. It is a tragedy when the church lives without the power turned on. It is a tragedy. It's funny when we think about uh, different statistics and, and, and different tragedies that are occurring in the world and, and, and different uh, problems that we see in the world and how the statistics are no difference, whether the, makes no difference whether the person is a Christian or not, whether they're in the church or not. And, and I wonder if it has more to do with a lack of power that there's not a difference in these statistics than with anything else. Now, why, why does it matter to you? Why is this a tragedy? Why do you care if you have power in your life? Because if we're lacking power, we can't breathe, if you will, like Linda Daniels. We, we can't breathe in the life of Jesus. We can't walk in the thing that we're supposed to be doing as believers. We're lacking power to do what Jesus has called each of us to do. We're lacking the power to parent as Jesus wants us to do. We're lacking the power to love our neighbor the way Jesus wants us to do. We're lacking the power to bring justice to the marginalized the way Jesus wants us to do. We're lacking the power to preach the gospel the way Jesus wants us to do. We're lacking the power to pray for healing the way Jesus wants us to do. We're lacking the power to set captives free the way Jesus wants us to do. And we need desperately for our power to be turned back on. We need the filling of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit. And so the good news that I, I, I want to share, and really this is what I want you to walk away with today, is that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you more than you want to be filled. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you more than you know, and he wants to empower you more than you could possibly imagine. He wants to fill you more than you know and empower you more than you could possibly imagine. So, so to help us get there, to walk in that and not just know it, but receive it and live it and experience it, I want to just present to you three aspects of the filling of the Holy Spirit, and then we're just going to take some time to pray. So first, the filling of the Holy Spirit is essential. The filling of the Holy Spirit is essential. Now, I want to make a distinction here right off the bat to be clear. I'm not saying that the filling of the Holy Spirit is, theological term coming, salvific. <laughs> Sounds like saliva. Basically, you're not saved because you were filled with the Holy Spirit. You were saved because you said yes to Jesus. But that does not make the Spirit filling any less essential. Here's what Jesus says in Acts chapter 1. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He doesn't say run out and tell everyone about me. He says wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave because you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then, then you can be my witnesses. 
You see, there is, there is a, a saving grace where you're saved, you're set free, you're going to be with God forever, but you're going to be incredibly ineffective unless you receive power to go be his witnesses. You see, the enemy would love for you to receive Jesus and just not be effective. It's like, cool, that's fine. Do your Christian thing, say yes to Jesus, but please don't receive power. Please don't go to the ends of the earth and be my witnesses and tell other people. Please don't show people that there's a way that you can have power to parent differently and power to love your neighbor differently and power to do justice differently. Please don't let people see that. I want them to stay miserable, the enemy says. But the Holy Spirit's filling is essential if we are going to do the things that Jesus has called us to do. He says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Here's what's essential about this power. That word power in the Greek is the word dunamis. Sound familiar? It's where we get the word dynamite. Boom. When you think power, you think explosive. You will receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How many of you in your Christian life have experienced dunamis? How many of you are like, I don't remember the last time I was in a church where there was dunamis. Just a little more like, that's what my church experience has been like. The normal Christian life is supposed to be dunamis. Power, dynamite. When you receive the filling of the Spirit, it is essential because there is power, there is dynamite, it is explosive, and what is released is something that launches you into what Jesus has always designed you to do. But you need to be filled first. It is essential. It is essential. Now, here's the thing about this explosiveness, this dynamite. It's not hype. It's not just bringing high energy into the room. It's not just making sure you raise your hands really well or shout really loud when the pastor or the worship leader says, come on, shout to the Lord. This is really good. This isn't faking it. This is an unexplainable, except by God himself, coming upon you kind of power through the person of the Holy Spirit. It is not manufactured. It's the real deal. How many of you have seen too many people fake it? And it just makes you go, that's weird. I don't know about this. I've said this all throughout this series. Just because there are counterfeit $100 bills out there doesn't mean you don't spend the real thing. You'll spend a $100 bill if it's real, won't you? The real Holy Spirit encounters, the real filling of the Spirit awaits you. Don't go looking for the counterfeit, but there is a real one. It's unexplainable except by God himself. It is power. It is power that comes upon you. Now, here's where we need to make a distinction because we go, hold on, hold on. Why is this what I need? Don't I already have the Holy Spirit if I'm following Jesus? You absolutely do. That is 100% biblically correct. But I want to make a distinction for us today. There is a difference between the Spirit's indwelling in your life and the Spirit filling your life. Do you hear me? A difference between indwelling and filling. In John chapter 20, we actually see Jesus imparts the Holy Spirit then and there to his disciples. He breathes on them before he leaves them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit in them already. But then he says, you need to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. 
He is in you, but if you're going to do what I've called you to do, he needs to come upon you. Do you hear the difference? The best way I can explain this is actually, for those of you who have a, a furnace with a pilot light, anyone have a furnace with a pilot light on it? You know what I'm talking about? And you look in that furnace, you can look in there and you see that little blue flame going. That little blue flame's always going. The fire's always going. This is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. But how many of you are content with just having the pilot light on when it's freezing outside? You know there's power. And you're going to crank that thermostat, make it warm and cozy, and gas is released into where that pilot light is, and what happens? <laughs> Dunamis. Power. The difference between the spirit indwelling and filling. Are you with me? You guys with me? So this is the difference. Jesus breathed on them, they received the Spirit, but he's like, you need to wait because the Spirit's going to come upon you in power. You've got the pilot light turned on now. We're just getting ready to crank the thermostat. And so in order to do this life, listen, this is in you. The Spirit of God is in you. You're saved. You're a part of Jesus' family. You belong. There is no question about it. But to do anything effective in the Christian life, you need the filling. It is essential. It is a non-negotiable to do everything God's called you to do. Because quite honestly, none of us are that impressive to do it in our own strength. Including me. You can say that again, Johnny. You can say that again. So the filling of the Spirit is essential. We need to move from the pilot light to turning that thermostat on. Second, the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit is not only essential, but it is experiential. It is a tangible encounter with the presence of God. It is something that you know has definitely happened. There's not like, I think I have the Holy Spirit. You know. You can mark the time, the date, the place when it happened and when it has happened. There's fruit that comes out of it. You are not the same person before the filling as after. Just as you encounter another person in the room or in your life, you encounter the Holy Spirit in the same personal way when you are filled with the Spirit. And you're different because of that encounter. It's the experience of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So it's the experience of the presence of God. So I have to make a second distinction because we say, isn't God's presence here all the time? Is that true? Absolutely. So we need to make another distinction. The omnipresence of God, who's ever heard that word? It's a really big theological word. Um, it's nowhere in the Bible, which is kind of funny, but it, it reflects a theological truth. It reflects this truth that God is present everywhere. We see it all through scripture. Psalm 139, 7 to 8. It says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. God, you're everywhere. Your spirit's everywhere. You are omnipresent. You are always present everywhere. 100% true. But when we're talking about manifest presence, we're not talking about omnipresence. When we're talking about filling and having an encounter with the presence of God, we're not talking about omnipresence. We're talking about the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God is God's presence, his personal presence through the Holy Spirit showing up, displaying himself, coming to you in a unique way, in a particular time, in a particular place to a particular people or person. 
It's a, an experience of the presence of God where he, you suddenly know you are not alone. He is with you. He is there. Some examples in the scriptures. God walks in the Garden of Eden and calls to Adam and Eve. Particular place to particular people. He was tangibly present. Manifest presence. God appears in the burning bush and talks to Moses. It's the manifest presence of God. A particular coming to someone to visit them. Now, is God with Moses before the burning bush? Omnipresent. This is his manifest presence. God appears in a fiery furnace to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Manifest presence. Then the psalmist even says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Now, if that were true about the omnipresence of God, don't you think we'd all just be full of joy all the time? It's in the manifest presence, in the encounter, in that tangible experience of God being with you that we find fullness of joy. And then all throughout the book of Acts, after what we just read this morning on Pentecost, people keep having these experiences when Jesus, when the Holy Spirit fills them, they keep having encounters where they experience something tangible. So in Acts 2, what happens? Mighty wind blows through the room they're in. Can you imagine if a really strong wind just blew the windows out right now? It'd be terrifying. Fire, little flames of fire showing up on everyone's head. That's an experience for sure. We'd all be asking if we were drinking something. They did ask if they were drinking something. If you keep reading in Acts 2, it's like they're all drunk. Later in Acts chapter 4, they get boldness. I'll put this up here. Oh, it's already up there. Thank you. Um, they, They get wisdom and boldness to speak boldly when they're filled with the Spirit in a way they couldn't before. Uh, Another time when they're filled with the Spirit, the house they're in starts shaking, an experience of his manifest presence. When Paul first is filled with the Holy Spirit, his blindness is healed. That's an experience. When uh, some other believers are are filled with the Spirit for the first time, the first non-Jewish believers, they start speaking in tongues, and they're praising God, which is really unique when they're not from a Jewish background. They don't know anything about God, really. And they're praising God, and the Jewish believers are amazed. Where are they getting this from? The Spirit. Paul, again, is filled with the Spirit, and, and he gives this bold rebuke to this sorcerer who was lying and causing all sorts of mischief with these uh, Roman governors. And, and as soon as he rebukes this sorcerer, when, he, when Paul was filled with the Spirit, the sorcerer goes blind. That's a crazy experience. Then another time in, in, in Ephesians or Acts 19, uh, in Ephesus, Paul prays for this group of new believers and they're filled with the Spirit and they start speaking in other languages and they prophesy. Experiences, manifest presence, things happening because they were filled with the Spirit. Are you all with me or are you all freaking out? It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Now, here's the honest question. You can be candid. In your response, you don't have to actually say it out loud. It's slightly rhetorical, but answer it for yourself. Does this frighten you? Does this frighten you? Where are my control freak friends at in the room? That's me. Where are my fellow control freaks at? Yeah. This scares me because it makes it sound like when I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm not going to have control over what happens. It doesn't mean you lose, like, your mental faculties and you're unaware of what's happening, but, like, things might start happening if I receive the Spirit that I don't want other people to see me do. 
I remember one time I, I was in a, a state in life where I was extremely depressed um, and, and um, some friends prayed for me and, and it, I was filled with the spirit and I could not stop laughing for 45 minutes. Not, I was not faked. I literally was trying to stop laughing and I couldn't stop. 45 minutes, I could barely catch my breath and the only words I was ever able to get out of my mouth for 45 minutes were, why is he so good? Why is he so good? I was just overcome by his goodness and his joy. And I will tell you, I have walked in, a, in an awareness of God's goodness ever since. I was changed from that encounter, that filling of the Spirit, in a way that I, I, I can't fake or try and make up or force myself to act differently. But that, that took from me a yielding to the Spirit where I was going to be okay with, he could fill me however he wants. We have a saying that we like to use, expectation without agenda. Meaning, I'm going to expect the Spirit to fill me, and I'm saying yes to however he wants to do it. I have no agenda. I'm not going to force it to look a certain way or be a certain way. I just want him. That's the goal. We just want him. We just want the filling. We don't care what it looks like. Don't try and squelch something if something's happening. Don't try and force it if it's not happening. That's it. Expectation without agenda. That's, that's how we live. But, but is, it should frighten us, if we're honest, a little bit, the control freaks. And, and, and we go like, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. I think this is a little more comfortable. I love what the scholar Willie James Jennings says after he had been studying Acts. He, he looked at it and he saw the way the Holy Spirit was working in Acts. And he says this about the book of Acts. He says, in Acts, almost no one is doing what they want. They are being moved upon. They have yielded so much to the Holy Spirit that they are welcoming the filling of the Spirit to empower them to do whatever Jesus has called them to do. Because we don't have that ability in ourselves. Now here's my question to us. Do we want to do what we want to do? Or do we want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what we could not do? Do you want to be doing what you want to do? Or do you want empowerment from the Holy Spirit to do what you could not do? Think about it. Think about the situations in your life. Think about the people that are sick around you. Think about the broken families and relationships around you. Think about the places of injustice where Jesus is drawing you to. You can't step into that with your own strength. You're going to fall apart. You need the filling of the Spirit. You need the filling of the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit is essential. It is experiential. And finally, the filling of the Spirit is ever-present. What do we mean by ever-present? Here's what we mean. Ephesians 5.18, Paul writes this. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Notice how the Holy Spirit's compared with wine again. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this word's really important, and this is where we get the idea of the filling of the Spirit being ever-present. This word accurately in the Greek grammar translates this way. Be being filled. Keep on being filled. Don't stop being filled. You were filled a few minutes ago, get filled again. You were filled yesterday, get filled again. You were filled last week, get filled again. The, for all our grammar nerds out there, it's a present passive imperative verb. 
That means like nothing to 90% of the room, but I know Lindsay appreciates it because she's a teacher. And, and it's an imperative, so it's a command. Paul is saying you need to keep being filled with the Spirit. Some of us have, have been taught that you get the Spirit initially when you're saved and that's it. Don't ask for any more. If it's happening, it's probably demonic. But the reality is, is that the command in Scripture is to keep on being filled with the Spirit. If you received the Spirit before, if you've been filled with the Spirit in the past, guess what? There's good news. There's even more for you. You haven't gotten everything God has to give you. Can you imagine how arrogant that kind of is on our part to think, I got it all already. There's so much more. We're too small to handle it all in one shot. We need to keep on being filled with the Spirit. Just, just for some context, look at how the disciples, uh, disciples are keep getting filled with the Spirit through Acts. I'll put it up on the screen for you here. In Acts 2, there's 120 disciples that originally are filled with the Spirit, and this includes Peter and John. That's important because in Acts 4, 8, Peter gets filled a second time. And then later in Acts 4, Peter, John, and some other disciples are all together, and they all get filled again. That's when the house shakes. And then in Acts chapter 9, Paul gets filled. And then in Acts uh, 10, New disciples get filled. This is important. This is for every Christian in every generation. A brand new generation of believers are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just the original apostles, not just the original people who were saved. Everyone's getting filled fresh with the Spirit. And then in Acts 13, Paul gets filled again with the Spirit. And then in Acts 19, even more new disciples are filled. Another new generation of disciples are filled with the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit is ever-present. It is an ongoing thing. If you've experienced something powerful from God, guess what? You get to experience that again. It might look different next time. I don't want you to chase the same experience, but chase the same filling. Are you with me? Don't be afraid of an experience, but don't chase a specific type of experience. Chase the filling. Chase the more that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Maybe you've been filled with the Spirit. You have a great memory from a summer camp or a church growing up or a youth group or the first time you ever set foot in a church building and you just said, I know God's with me right now. But guess what? There's so much more filling for you. He didn't want to stop on that day. He wanted it to be fresh. He wanted you to keep on being filled. You do not have to live off yesterday's filling. There's more. Now, maybe you have been taught that uh, the filling is done, like I said. It's one time, but it gets to keep going. Many of us have been taught by well-meaning pastors and preachers who have misunderstand, misunderstood some of these key texts around this. And, 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 and I don't say this as a criticism. I say this very humbly, but, man, it, it is killing us because it has turned off many of our power sources. I'm not supposed to have that. Oh, the Holy Spirit's not real. No, 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 the filling, I already received the Spirit. I have it already. I don't need that again. Well, no, 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 that's like extra biblical. That's not what the scriptures teach. And, and unfortunately, well-meaning people who love the scriptures and are trying their best to, to honor God have accidentally turned the power off, just like this utility company did. And, and, and there's people that are like, man, but there's got to be more. How many of you feel like there's got to be more for you in your life? How many of you just are super satisfied right now and you're just coasting? I'd be a little concerned about you. How many want more from their life? 
how many feel like Jesus has more for them? What, what's possible? No matter what your age, no matter what your season of life, no matter what you're going through, there's more. There's more you get to experience. And, and so we have to recognize that there's an ever-present filling. We have to recognize that, that the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit is essential. You can't do what Jesus has called to you, you to do without it. You, you can't uh, do mission without it. That the filling of the Spirit is experiential. You're supposed to experience the very personal presence of God. And the filling of the Spirit is ever-present. You get to keep coming back for more. You get to keep coming back for more. So what do you do now? What do you do now? You're here in the room. I've kicked and screamed a little. But at the end of the day, it's not me convincing you. Is there a longing in your heart that's not being met? Is Jesus giving you a, a vision for what life could be and it just seems like that's unrealistic? That's impossible. Are there people that God's put on your heart that need to know him and you just have no idea how to bridge that gap? Are there issues in your own life and, and you're just like, I can't break out of these cycles over and over again? Are you done with it? Are, are you done with it? You can talk to me. Are you done with it? Are you sick of it? Are you sick of not having what you need? One person. Thank God. Thank God. Praise Jesus. But really, are, are you sick of it? If you're not sick of it yet, that's okay. We'll keep praying that you get dissatisfied. I, I, that's, that sounded horrible when it came out, and I was like, wow, I didn't even really think about it. But actually, like, being dissatisfied with where you're at is the best possible place to be in. Psychologists refer to this thing called the crystallization of discontent. You are unwilling to actually make a change in your life until you reach the point of discontent. People in like AA call it hitting rock bottom. You're not going to change until you hit rock bottom, until your discontent is crystallized. So my prayer, if I'm like, honestly, I could keep going like this, sometimes my prayer is, Lord, I don't want it. I pray that I want to want it. Sometimes that's been my prayer. I don't feel like I'm desperate. Make me desperate. Make me hungry. Now, things might get a little miserable. I'm just warning you. That starts happening. Not always. Sometimes you're all this needs thrown in your face from other people, and you're like, I don't know what to do. And we throw up our hands, but we forget we just prayed this prayer. Make me desperate for you, God. I need more of your power. Make me desperate for your power. And he's giving you the opportunity. Look at all this need that you have no clue how to fix on your own. I've answered your prayer. Now come cry for me for the Spirit. Are you sick and tired of it? Or are you happy just living the way you've been doing it? If you're, that's where you are, that's okay. I'm not here to twist anyone's arm. Let me tell you, that time where I was laughing on the floor for 45 minutes or other times where God's met me and I've just been so aware of his love and his devotion and his, his faithfulness to me, I'm a different person because of that. 
I literally could not stand up here most weeks and, and preach to you if those things had not happened in my life. And that doesn't mean like I've achieved something of like a super Christian pastor status. That's for you too. I'm just doing my, my calling and my assignment, what God's given me to do. But you have the, your own things and challenges that are coming up in your life and you're not gonna be able to face them the way Jesus wants you to face them. You might be able to do something, but the way Jesus wants you to face them, you won't be able to do without his power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to speak. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to stand. And we're going to do two things. First, to the question, what do you do now? If you've answered that question, yes, I'm dissatisfied, then we're going to start here. Uh, some of you today may be here and you really aren't following Jesus. You're not necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily call yourself a Christian or you're kind of like, oh, I come sometimes, I don't really know where I am with God. Here's the first thing you need to do if you want to receive the filling of the Spirit. First, you need to receive Jesus. The scripture says that when Jesus is glorified, then the Spirit comes. So first things first, if you're ready to turn from your old life and towards Jesus, Everyone just close your eyes right now. But if you're ready to turn from your old life and turn towards Jesus, go ahead and put your hand up. It's like a weird thing sometimes. But if you're like, I'm turning from my old life, I want to turn towards Jesus. This is the first step. I'm done with it. I'm done with trying to do this in my own power, my own strength. I think I'm pretty smart, but honestly, I'm scared to death. We call this repentance. Start naming the things in your life. The sin, the self-reliance, all these different things. The lying, the cheating, whatever it is. Start naming it before Jesus and say, I'm turning away from this. I'm turning away from that. I'm done with this. Some people in the room have been dealing with some uh, sexual sin issues. Time to turn away from that. unfaithfulness in marriages, time to turn away from that. Some people getting way too caught up in the comparison game. Maybe it's social media tripping you up and you're trying to make yourself look like someone or be like someone or act like someone and Jesus is saying, don't cheapen yourself like that. Turn from the old life. He's made you and created you good just the way you are. Other things might be coming up. Whatever that old life is, old pattern is, turn away right now. Second step. Believe that Jesus died for your sins. Everything in the old life that you're turning away from right now. Believe that he died for you. That he died for that sin and he was raised from the dead. And one day he will return to judge every living thing and everything that has already died. Just believe. That's it. Repent and believe. That gets the pilot light turned on. Now here's the next step. Step three. If you're ready for this. Some of you are afraid of the filling of the Spirit. You're afraid of the Holy Spirit because of what you've been taught. 
what you've seen where it was abused, counterfeit stuff that was fake. All real, honest problems. Validated problems. You had reason to mistrust those false uses and misuses. But that wasn't the Holy Spirit. That was people. So here's the next step. Trust that the Holy Spirit is good. That you don't need to be afraid of what might happen. And then finally, oh, we're not ready to move on from that one. Name the fears. Name the fear. Whatever you're afraid of. I'm afraid of looking a certain way. I'm afraid that certain people won't accept me anymore. I'm afraid of looking weird. I'm afraid of this, that, whatever it is. You need to turn away from that, hand it to Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit's getting ready to meet you. Here's the final thing you do. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. First thing Jesus says to them is wait. Wait in Jerusalem. Abide. Tarry. Just be patient. Just wait. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Trust that I'm going to fill you because it's coming. So the final thing you need to do is simply ask. Jesus says, what kind of father on earth? They know how to give good gifts to their children. What kind of father is the heavenly father? Isn't he so much better? Earthly fathers know how to good give, give good gifts to children. How much more will the heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit? He wants to give you the Holy Spirit more than you even want to. So if you're ready, if you're asking, just receive right now. Holy Spirit, come. If you want the Holy Spirit right now, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, just receive him. Holy Spirit, come. Don't worry about what's happening or what's not happening. It's not about that. Don't worry about what is happening with other people. Just receive Sometimes emotions might start flaring up. You might tear up. There might be laughter. You might just feel like a heavy weight on you. Just his presence. He shows up in so many different ways. Receive it. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.